Hello and welcome to another episode of May Contain Trace of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, zero-waste lifestyle. I'm your host, Rochelle, and if you're new around here, welcome to the podcast. So stoked to have you listening today. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen to the podcast. It means so much to me. If you are new around here, just click that subscribe button. If you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts today, please go ahead and leave me a little rating or a review. Let me know what you thought of the podcast. So (laughs) today we're going to be talking about navigating non-vegan friends and family. And I am joined again today by my occasional co-host, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Hello, and thank you for the warm welcome. (laughs) Okay, so... Obviously, when you go vegan, you've got a lot of friends and a lot of family that are not going to be vegan and they're not going to know what, you know, being vegan is all about. So we've broken it down into a few different categories of non-vegan friends and family. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how to deal with those situations that arise, how to field some of the questions that you might get, what to expect from different things, and also a few little tips at the end there as well for dealing with social gatherings and all of that good kind of stuff. So we're going to get right into that episode now. We've broken it down into four major groups of non-vegan friends and family that you might encounter. Uh, The first group is what we call the constant queriers. So this is, you know, these are your friends who are, they're pretty supportive when you say like they're the supportive friends. Yeah, I'd I'd say they're, um, you know, pretty open-minded, but perhaps asking out of genuine curiosity, like, you know, it might be, so what do you miss the most? Or they, they might just actually not know what is involved and just they're asking out of curiosity with, without any sort of intent of malice behind what oh, they're asking. Oh, yeah, no, there's no nastiness from these friends. This group of friends, the constant queries, they're the ones who, when you go vegan, they're like, oh, cool, that's really cool, man. So... Why Why are you vegan? And then following that, you might get other questions as well, like, what's up with tofu? And, you know, how do they make it taste like that? And well, what kind of, what do you have to do to cook that? And what's it meant to go in? They're the friends who have a lot of questions. And that curiosity is really healthy because it gives you an opportunity to educate, to inspire, you know, to sort of put them on the right path about what veganism is, what it involves. And a lot of the questions tend to be localized around the dietary areas, but they'll often, they'll often also be the friends who will say to you, so why can't you have backyard eggs? Like I get that, you know, it's bad if the chickens are in the battery farms, but if they're backyard eggs, is that okay? So they're, they're the friends who you can really educate about the nuances within veganism as a lifestyle. Yeah, and I mean, no, I'm not going to go too much into this because I, I guess every time I have been a guest on here, I seem to talk about beer. But um, but it's often people that they'll also say something like, "So some beer's not vegan? Like, what, how how can beer not be vegan?" And I mean, look, I've go listen to some of the previous podcasts if you want to hear my rants about that. But you kind of explain that, and they go, "Oh wow, really? I didn't, I I never knew that before." Or they, you know, that they're, they're not. They're actually asking because they want an answer, not because they're trying to catch you out or, you know, 
feel like the smartest person in the room. Yeah, no, these are the friends who have a genuine curiosity and that is where they're coming from when they have these questions for you. So they might ask you about, like you said, like something, why is beer not vegan, for example? They also might be like, okay, so does that mean that you also can't wear leather? What if it's secondhand leather? What if you already own it? It's, and they don't mean any harm by it. Like we said, it's not coming from a place of malice. And I'd say with that as well, like, um, look, I've, I've been vegan for about six months now. I, and feel free to judge me up there. People who are that classification that Rochelle says, uh, don't eat anything that casts a shadow, but I, I still have a pair of leather shoes. So, you know, I may look for an alternative when I next need a pair, to be honest, but there, there are, I guess that, I guess there's a spectrum for a lot of people as to how, you know, how you interpret your whole veganism, I suppose. And yeah, I mean, I guess there's no hard and fast answer to that. So I guess these people are the ones that you can have a sensible discussion with it about when they do ask something like that. Yeah. Out of the people, out of your friend groups, you know, and there might be some who are not coming at it from this kind of genuine place of interest out of your friend, your friend groups who are the ones who are those constant queries and it is coming from a good place. You can have a really nuanced conversation and you can get into some of those more gray areas of the ethics of veganism. I mean, like Daniel was saying, something like owning leather still, there are still some items around the house that are leather. There's a couple of items around the house that have down in them. I'm not going to go and throw something out that still has use in it because we are trying to be zero waste vegans. So to chuck it out because we're vegan now, that seems ridiculous to me. I'm going to look for a vegan alternative the next time it comes around to buying something like that. And I have to say, this is kind of what the constant query, as Rochelle has termed it, does. Um, is I, I've just noticed that Rochelle and I are both kind of making justifications through this microphone right now. But look, when I do need to get another version of this, I, I probably will I do this. Call justifications, though. <laughs> no, not ju- well. I mean, explanations then, explanations. Um, and I guess perhaps when you're having that more nuanced conversation with a, a friend who is having some general genuine queries then you know you perhaps do flesh that out a bit more yourself and go well I hadn't actually thought about that myself and they're not doing it to to shame you but perhaps it offers you know because you're having a a sensible discussion it offers you the chance for a bit of self-reflection as well yeah it definitely provides you with the opportunity to really stop and think through how you're approaching your vegan lifestyle and where you want to make those changes incrementally and where those changes are 100% like, you know, on the line happening that day when you go vegan. Because for some people it's gradual and for some people, you know, like for us in terms of not so much the vegan dietary stuff, but in terms of the vegan lifestyle, there are elements within our home still that we will have to replace one day. And when we do, there'll be vegan replacements. But yeah, there's kind of nuanced conversations you can have. The constant querier is likely to ask you about why they call, you know, uh, fake meat, uh, substitutes meat, things like that. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll have a lot of really good questions and you can have some really interesting conversations. It's also someone who might talk to you a bit more about, you know, why can't you have honey if it's a backyard bee? Like I was saying about the eggs and backyard eggs. And it gives you an opportunity to really 
educate on a different level, on a grassroots level. This is what I would call soft vegan activism because you're able to engage with and, you know, discuss these ideas with someone who is not vegan and it's not something they would have considered, but because you're in their life, they've been exposed to it and it gives you the opportunity to discuss some of those issues and all that kind of stuff with them, which might slowly push them in a different direction. So, Yeah, and um, as, as Rochelle was just saying about some things in our house that, you know, from BV, but before veganism, that, that still, you know, do contain some animal products, I probably would have upgraded my shoes, I just realized uh, that I'm wearing now, if not for the fact that during lockdown, I've not had to, uh, you know, wear the soles out walking to and from work. So, um, you're getting there now, yeah. though, aren't you? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, look, I have been. That they might be carrying an extra couple of kilos on them a day too from my uh, work at home period, and you know, perhaps I may have been eating a little more, a little more, and doing a little less incidental exercise on the uh, on the you know wander to and from the office from home. <laughs> Yeah, so that is the constant query. They're a great friend to have in your friendship group because they care about your new lifestyle choice. They're interested and they're respectful in their questions, but they probably do have a lot of questions. It's it's a great thing, though, because then you can discuss it a bit more and you can get into the nitty-gritty, you know, little kind of side aspects and different little elements because there's so much to the vegan lifestyle to be discussed and people are genuinely interested. And honestly, sometimes they are genuinely, um, you know, confused or just unaware of the different elements where that lifestyle reaches to, because it really does have quite a far reach as far as your choices that you make once you choose a vegan lifestyle, like where that leads to because of the ethics involved. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, that the, the most supportive of, of this uh, this group of friends, you could probably almost say... Uh, you know, kind of vegan curious. And if they try perhaps <laughs> something that you've made that, you know, if, if you've gotten a recipe down pat, I, I do a pretty good fried rice with just the right amount of spices and veggies and everything when I, you know, basically when I, the, the fewer wines I've had over my uh, over my fried rice cooking, the, the better it can be sometimes. So it's, it's, it's a fine balance. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, those those people that aren't going to turn their nose up at the fact that you might be giving them something without meat or you might tell them a fact or or answer one of their queries in such a way that that gives them pause for reflection and, and makes them go I didn't know that I and even if they're not going to adopt a vegan lifestyle or anything it might be the fact that you've you've told them something they didn't previously know and it shocks them a little bit to perhaps try and curb or um you know, ad- adapt their own behavior to, to be a bit more sustainable or, or to, you know, change their actions so they're not contributing to an, an aspect of cruelty in, in the production of something. Yeah, these are the friends who you might even shift towards thinking more seriously about veganism or about trying to be more zero waste. These are the kind of people who you can actually, you can, you know, affect them with what you're doing and with having those conversations. So out of your friendship group um, and the different kinds of responses you might see from friends, family, co-workers, I think the uh, curious inquirers are the best ones. (laughs) The way Rochelle's say that, I I am less like, I have 
less of a Mormonism approach to this than Rochelle. I'm not trying to actively change people's behavior. If someone's eating a burger next to me, I'm going to be probably less offended than Rochelle. I guess I'm doing it more for sustainability reasons than trying to do that, you know. What my behavior does is what I can affect, I guess. I'll answer questions, but, you know. Well, I mean, I think that it is a form of soft vegan activism in a good way where, you know, that is a ripple effect that happens through your social circle because people are more aware of these issues because they discuss them with you and it makes them think about them and it makes them more mindful in their choices going forward. So I think that that's really healthy and, you know, that's a really good thing. That's a positive effect to have on people. The next one, the next group of friends that we're going to talk about are the health shamers. Now, these are the people who, amongst other things, obviously, they're going to be like, where are you getting your protein from? Uh, They're going to mention nutrients. They're going to talk about how you need calcium. They're going to talk about how you don't get vitamin B12. They also might be the ones who are like, vegan fast food and fake meats is so much worse for you than regular meat. Those kind of people. So... Those people who just really push the issue on what they see as, you know, health issues with veganism. I would say number one thing you can do when it comes to those friends, first off, not great friends. Guys, you're not great friends. Secondly, um, (laughs) what you can do is you can point them in the direction of a study that was done in 2009 by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And it came out and it was published they published a position paper that concluded that the vegan diet was safe for all stages of life, including infancy, childhood, pregnancy. It's a completely safe diet. You can get everything you need. And that's like a study that has been done. That's a position that they have on veganism. So you can point them in that direction firstly and say that, look, there's nothing wrong with it and there's it's perfectly healthy. Secondly, you can bring up the China study and the work of Dr. T. Colin Campbell. So he is one of the doctors who was in Forks Over Knives and spoke about, if you haven't seen that dogger, go and check it out. But he spoke about how a whole foods plant-based diet is much better for you. It reduces your risk of heart disease, diabetes. It is one of the healthiest ways to live. I don't really have, I have got nothing of substance to add to that because... Look, I've I've adopted this lifestyle as well now. This change to you know, I guess everything that I that I do eat and every no, well, I've got nothing to add because Rochelle's the one that's done the reading on that. Clearly, uh, I don't think she made it up. Let's just take her word for it. I guess I I suppose there'll be some sort of a footnote or, or link on her blog anyway. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might want to talk a little bit about the health shaming friends. Well, I mean, yeah. Look, we 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 all have those. I guess anyone who is a vegan that's already listening to this, you you know those people. Like, they'll say, oh, they'll, they'll mention a burger or something. I had the best burger the other day and kind of give you this look that says, you're missing out on that great burger. Then you might say, oh, wow, you know, we actually had this, there's this new, you know, you know substitute meat burger or or some sort of, you know, vegan version of what they're talking about. And they'll kind of roll their eyes and be really derisive and say, oh, do you know how much, you know, um, preservative 2H2 is in that? They're actually worse for you than what, you know, you might as well be eating a Big Mac, which often it's, you know, quite frankly, it's just bullshit anyway. Or they're just, they're just out to be a contrarian and they just want to basically argue with you 
to perhaps dissuade some of their own guilt about their habits. So they, you know, it's kind of tall poppy syndrome, is, which is what we have in Australia when you kind of, someone is doing something that, you know, someone's successful in something they're doing. So you kind of chop them down to make yourself feel a little bit better about your place in life. And some of these people kind of do that. They're just going to constantly try and every answer you give, they're going to, you know, you might be, and even as perhaps a militant vegan who might be talking to these people, you're often just, I, which I would not classify myself as, but you better to just be the one that goes, we'll have to agree to disagree because that other person is, is not going to, they're going to point to soy production taking up this much land or, you know, but to grow this or the grains that you're eating. And, you know, you can point out to them that the vast majority of, of that, um, you know, agricultural production does go towards feeding the animals they're eating, but they're just still going to argue with you. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting point. If someone brings up, like, if they are, you know, doing that kind of health shaming and then they go into that sort of, like, you know, passive-aggressive uh, sort of behaviour and they do start bringing up the sustainability issues with stuff like soy milk and almond milk and the deforestation caused by soy, soy milk, you can bring up the fact that, like, I think it's 80-something percent of the soy the soy production is actually for animal feed. But the other thing is that the ones who are health shamers and they're like, where are you getting your protein from? You know, you don't get enough protein, like at least this is pure protein. That is actually just ridiculous because if you know how things work and where protein comes from in animal meat, it's actually because they eat the plants that have the protein and then it's like worked into their body. So we're just cutting out the middleman here, guys. I'm going to be the passive aggressive friend and the contrarian here and say, I'm not really sure about almond milk myself. I've, I've read a few things. I read, a, I read something that sort of suggested it wasn't great. And so I steer away from that also because yeah. it tastes a lot shittier and makes your coffee look weird as yeah. well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not into almond milk and it is something that you should avoid. If the environment is a concern for you, go to a different type of plant based milk. I think oat might be the best out of all of them. So yeah, that is the health shamer group. The next group that we're going to talk about is the passive-aggressive pals. Uh, now, passive-aggressive pals and health shamers often have a little bit of an overlap. You know, they might turn to the health shaming as a way to sort of like, you know, cut you down a little bit. But they also, in general, will just be passive-aggressive about your veganism. And I I agree with Daniel in his point that it is tall poppy syndrome. And it's also just this kind of uncomfortableness people have being confronted with the hypocrisy of their own beliefs. Um, if you eat meat and you care about the animals in the environment, there is a certain amount of inherent hypocrisy in how you live your lifestyle. So it's uncomfortable for people to be confronted by that. And you just existing as a vegan confronts them with that reality. And sometimes I think perhaps they haven't even put that much thought into it to have those feelings. Some people are just kind of like, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My meat tastes really good. You're stupid because you're not eating that. Yes, if you have friends like that, I'm just curious why you're still friends with them personally. Like, that would be my take on that. Um, I don't have time for people in my life like that. But, you know, it does happen. And it's also co-workers and stuff. It's people that you see and, like, it's all a big joke. And it's like, oh, try and upset the vegan, say something, you know, insensitive, basically. Or they're passive aggressive to you about uh, some sustainability issue to do with veganism, like almond milk or something like that. And I think it is a matter of trying to, and I'm using air quotes when I say this, trying to like win the argument against veganism. I really, like, I'm just not interested in getting into that. And frankly, I'm just more perplexed than anything else when someone starts kind of trying to have this argument with me about things, because I know that they're wrong and I don't really care. They can make their own choices, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, and look, as Rochelle was saying, I guess there is an overlap with the previous group, and I perhaps did discuss some of the, you know, some of the traits of the people that pertain to this group already in in my previous summation. But um, you know what Rochelle was saying about, you know, some you, I'm I'm usually not there, especially at my workplace is actually I've, I've never really had this sort of discussion with anyone in my current workplace, but you know, um, I, I guess they are the sort of people that you might just be sitting there and quietly having something that is vegan and then they will kind of you know say something to try and get the ball rolling to kind of to kind of set you off I suppose to go well actually and then you know yeah it like any passive aggressive discussion I suppose (laughs) yeah yeah so that is the passive aggressive pal you know avoid them if you can who needs that shit in their life um The next group of friends slash family we're going to talk about is just the clueless. You know, it's just the people who, whether they're your friends or your family, they, and it's not their fault and it's not done from a place of malice, but they literally do not know what vegan means. Like you say, oh no, I've, I've recently become vegan and I'm not eating, like I'm eating a vegan diet now and you will be out with them and they'll be like, so Rochelle's vegetarian, so we'll get her the vegetarian omelette. And I'm like, I can't eat that. That is full of eggs. Um, I had this situation with my parents, and they're lovely people, and it's not coming from a bad place, but they were like, so Rochelle needs a vegetarian. And I was like, oh, no, she doesn't. And, yeah, look, I hadn't actually seen my dad in person for many weeks because of, um, you know, the, the, the COVID lockdown that we've all been experiencing uh, here in, in Brisbane over the past couple of months. And... I went and saw him the other day and, um, and he sort of asked and it was from, I think it was from a, a genuine place. Um, oh, so you're still doing the vegan thing. And I guess we hadn't really, you know, caught up properly in a social context other than, you know, chats over the phone and over the, the past couple of months, really. And, um, and, you know, I said, yes, I was. And then I guess his experience, like a really good, um, you know, family friend of ours in the eighties, she was vegetarian. Pretend I'm doing the air quotes. I'm not actually, but um, I should be. But she ate fish, so she was really 
pescatarian, but in the 80s, that was like vegetarian and you ate fish. That was fine. No one queried it. They probably hadn't met enough people that called themselves pescatarian. No one had Google, so that that was fine. And, and so my dad asked me, oh, so, you know, does that include fish? And I'm like, I sort of gave a quizzical look and went, yeah, you know, that's fish is derived from an animal, like fish is an animal. Um, <laughs> my, my brother then, you know, kind of saw that and, I, I don't know if he thought that um that my my kind of quizzical reaction you know but maybe he was he he liked the reaction or was going to see how far that would go and then asked oh does that include sand crabs as well <laughs> that's a passive aggressive pal right there that's a uh, yeah, somewhere pal. in the Venn diagram overlap in between but and then argued the sustainability of 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 you know of eating you know hand caught sand crabs from our local area and look if you're going to eat seafood and that is something that you catch yourself and there is a plentiful supply that's really another it's a totally different discussion than whether or not a um you know a a sentient being is is an animal because clearly it is (laughs) well i mean the thing is it comes back to that discussion about why you are vegan because if it's from a sustainability standpoint then what he's saying has some merit in terms of his like argument for that. But if, you know, veganism is at the end of the day, it's about the animals. So <laughs> there's no argument for that if it's about the animals. In terms of sustainability, it's still better to just cut everything out entirely and leave animals alone. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, to give my brother his dues on this one, he had asked when we were in the car earlier, oh, so, so you're vegan now. Um, what, you know, what, what were your reasons for doing that? And he was doing this from the, the genuinely curious standpoint. And I said, I suppose for sustainability, carbon footprint, um, you know, they, them, them being my primary drivers and, and look, I, I kind of get where he was coming from about the sustainability thing, but if you've already gone this far, you're not going to go, oh yeah, and plus I'm, I'm a vegan, but occasionally I, you know, eat crab and, and go cow tipping because it's a bit of a laugh or something, are oh, you just going to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the genuinely curious... Uh, sorry, the, the, the clueless, okay? They're genuinely clueless. They don't realise what veganism involves. And when you come up against a family member or a friend who's in that position and they don't understand what veganism is about, you can discuss with them what that actually means because veganism is a way of life that seeks to exclude as far as possible and practical the exploitation of animals for food clothing or any other purpose i would say beware the uh, the passive aggressive pal masquerading as the uh, as the clueless they that that is trying to catch you out with something oh so this and then it's like aha but did you know this and and you know Often you can debunk what what they've said to you if you've done your research. My research is usually things Rochelle has researched and tells me while we're drinking wine or something. But it does usually give me a good um a, a good retort to someone saying something about sustainability to me. And well, did you know that uh, the vast proportion of what you're talking about is actually that agriculture is used for animals or, or whatever whatever the response may be? But you know, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, where when it comes to the clueless, you just need to do that little bit of education and keep it simple for them, explain that you're not having any animal products and that includes egg, milk, dairy, cheese, you know, like honey, everything. 
So just sort of hit them up about that and make a point of letting them know too that that extends to all other elements of your lifestyle because if they are friends or family, it's likely that they will at some point be buying you either a Christmas present, a birthday present, or getting something for you um, in anticipation of you needing something. If you were staying with them, for example, buying some sort of shampoo for you or buying whatever, just give them a heads up that it all needs to be vegan. Like the veganism is not just a diet, it is an entire lifestyle and everything that you use, everything that you include in that lifestyle is vegan. So that is how I would deal with the clueless. And now we're just going to give you a few, you know, little tips about some things you need to think about in terms of dealing with your friends and family, visiting them, having dinner out with them. If you're going to go out to dinner with friends or family and they've chosen the restaurant, look it up in advance, check if they have vegan options. If they don't, call the restaurant and ask them what can be veganized because you don't want to be in the uncomfortable position of discussing that at the table. And if you're not comfortable doing that or if you can't get a hold of them beforehand, you can always eat before you go or order something that won't have much much to veganize. If it's a small group, like if there's only a few of you going out and you're going to eat beforehand before going out for dinner, then I, I don't know, like, I'd probably just not go at all if, they, if, 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 if they're that dictatorial about where you're going to go for dinner. Look, we must go here and no, even the bread has meat in it, then well, come on, like, really. The thing is, you could be dealing with, like, it's a particular yeah. friend or family member's birthday. They have yeah, a yeah, favourite sure. restaurant. That Absolutely. restaurant is very meat-heavy. And you don't know how they're making their bread or their chips or whatever it might be, or if they're cooking stuff in animal fat. So, and say you just, you find out that you can't veganize something, you know, you can eat beforehand. You can veganize at most places though, and you can always just give the restaurant a call. So that's an option for when you're going out. Otherwise, obviously you would ask them first if we could maybe pick a restaurant where I can eat something. And if they're like, no, we must eat at this place, even though there are only four of us going and half of us are vegan, then maybe go, well, no, what? There are two of us going now. (laughs) And the us is you two. (laughs) Yes. Be the passive aggressive pal. That's, that's how you deal with that. Fire with fire. (laughs) So that's, you know, if you're going to go out, that's one of the tips. If you're going to go and stay with family, or you're going to go and visit friends. So say you're going to a friend's place for dinner, give them a heads up in advance about what you can and can't eat and offer to bring a dish. Don't expect them to cater for you. Be a good guest and bring your own vegan dish. Make enough for everyone to try because it's great to get people trying more vegan food. And I love to veganize dishes or, you know, like veganize recipes and then show people and people are like, wow, that's really good. Don't know if they really think it's good or they're just being polite, but you know, it, it's a great way to sort of expose people to more vegan food. And if you are staying with family, just in advance, let them know what you will need. Or like, for example, if they're going to do a little bit of shopping before you arrive or you can't do the shopping because say you're flying in late and nothing will be open when you get there, just ask them to buy some soy milk to put in the fridge for your coffee and you can go to the grocery store the next day with them and pick out some stuff. When you are staying with non-vegan friends and family, it's a great opportunity for education. You can show them different vegan products that you like. You can show them the ways that you veganize recipes or what little snacks that you have that are vegan. It's, you know, it's a great way to sort of educate people on things and expose them to more vegan culture. Um, And further to what Rochelle was saying before, I would say just vegan or not vegan. Also, just in terms of 
just kind of be a bit considerate and I guess for want of a better way of putting this, don't be a, a dickhead as well. And just if someone's inviting you around for nibblies and drinks, if, if you're a friend and you're going over there and you're just expecting them to have laid out a platter for you and bought all the booze, then maybe you're the bad friend in this situation as well, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just, you know, definitely bring stuff with you. Offer to bring dishes when you're going to friends' places for dinner. Offer to do all that kind of stuff. Bring your own drinks because you never know. Like, drinking vegan is a bit of a thing. You need to make sure that the wine and beer hasn't been filtered through something weird. Go check out our Drinking Vegan episode for more on that. But, yeah, just, you know, carry snacks with you as a vegan as well. If you know you're going to be out all day and you're, like, or you're going into work or whatever and work's doing a catered lunch, but you're not sure they're going to cater for you because maybe it's a small workplace and they don't think about it, bring your own snacks, bring your own dishes, make people vegan treats as well. Like, over Christmas, something I like to do because it's really sustainable and it doesn't cause extra waste, doesn't play into consumerism, is to cook and bake up a whole bunch of different vegan treats and then re-gift them in, um, you know, repurposed jars and stuff for family and friends. So that is my my collection of tips about how to navigate your non-vegan friends and family. Yeah, look, Rochelle's cookies are really good, and I and it was a really nice touch. And she's a a, a very kind person, and I have to say, you know, in that Rochelle, picturing Rochelle again with the metaphor of being a like a Mormon riding their bike up the hill in their in their you know that pressed white shirt with that little black badge thing on the on the top why, pocket. Why am I a Mormon in this? I don't know because you're evangelical about it. And I was going to say not you're a bit evangelical about it. And there's one thing that she's most evangelical about. It's actually trying to push her cookies onto people, and they're they're pretty good. And I I haven't heard a bad review yet. So if you see Rochelle out and about, if you do know her, hit her up for a cookie. I don't have to push them because people actually ask them. I've had friends come back and say, can I, did you make cookies this week? Can I have some more cookies? And I'm like, hell yes, you can have some more cookies. I didn't have to tell them about the Church of the Latter-day Saints. They just asked, so I so I was free to tell them about it. I mean, they already wanted to know. You, you see where I'm coming from? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently, I'm an evangelical Latter-day Saint-style vegan. News to me, but... <laughs> So much for my non-judgmental vegan podcast, guys. <laughs> I was so wrong. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this week's special episode on navigating non-vegan friends and family. I hope you enjoyed it. There was a few tips and tricks in there. I'm sure that you have all encountered a passive-aggressive pal or a curious inquirer. Um, it's, yeah, they're, they're your friends. They're your family. You want to do what you can to have positive conversations with them and to deal with it in the best possible way. So always educate, always inspire, always share. And you never know, they could wind up becoming vegan too. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. We will catch up with you next week. Bye.